Alright, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a special episode of Matt Chat. Today I am joined by the two of the new uh, Iowa State coaching staff, former national champions for the University of Iowa, Derek St. John and Brent Metcalf. Guys, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having us. Thanks so much for carving some time out this weekend. There's a lot to get into, so let's get into it. Derek, you coached alongside Coach Dresser at Virginia Tech, and obviously you enjoyed the experience. How easy was this, the decision to come over here to Iowa State? Uh, you know, for me, growing up in Iowa, growing up literally an hour, hour, ten minutes down the road, to be able to come back home close to my family, you know, is pretty easy, easy decision to make the move and already having a relationship already established with Dresser and being able to work really, really well together was, was a no-brainer, really easy transition. How, how was it? Was it weird or uncomfortable at all going from being a Hawkeye to a Cyclone and not just sort of in spirit but literally competing against these guys? That's obviously one of the main goals. No, honestly, it wasn't. I've been uh, away from the Iowa wrestling program for going on my fourth year, you know, being away. And uh, since I've been away, I haven't really been that involved in that program or really been involved with anybody associated with the program either, you know what I mean? So it was, uh, it's another opportunity and a way for me to advance in, in position. Move up the coaching ladder, right? Yeah. And you said the transition's been pretty smooth. How has it been back coming to the state of Iowa? I know you mentioned family, but is it has it been as good as you thought, better? Uh, it's way better, honestly. Yeah? You know, I didn't really know what to expect walking into it, but just the fans and the community and the administration here has just been like welcoming with open arms and there's been a ton of support and uh, we're just continuing to you know, build it and people they keep swarming it, keep coming to our fundraisers, keep coming into our practices, it's been great. Yeah, I guess for either one of you that want to answer this, I, I saw something where you guys are about to break the record for uh, season ticket sales beforehand. The, you know, the level of excitement, you know, I'm in St. Louis, so it's five, six hours away. It's a completely different view than being inside of it. But from your guys' perspective, watching this build, coming from a place where 15, 16,000 people at a dual meet was the norm, you know, where you guys had that 11th man, so to speak, what's it like to be sort of part of the organic process of, of making this thing jump to the next level? Yeah, we, uh, we did, we broke that record a day or two ago. Okay. Um, and for us, I think um, it was a no brainer, you know. The number was 1,500 around that area, and we were kind of like, well, we want 2,500. Right. We want this. And um, I think it was really good because we kind of showed them our expectation, and they maybe thought, well, we'll see, guys. And the fans, they responded right away. We haven't even began to push it, which is what's really cool. Really? Tell me about it. Don't need promotional marketing yet. So we're excited about that. Um, going off of what he said, that goes to show how exciting this fan base is, how excited probably the state of Iowa is. I know a lot of Hawk fans, too, who I know who have bought both tickets just because they want they want to be a part of it, right? Um, so that's good, and I think, again, we're setting the bar even higher. Like that, To us, that record was great. We broke that record, but we want to make new records in here. So that's kind of the direction we're aiming for. I think they set the goal, next goal at 2,000. Well, let's break that. I oh, said so that's probably not your guys' goal. You're going right through that, too, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, About five, six, seven thousand. That'd be good. Goes back to winning all areas of you know the wrestling rate and ticket sales is one of them. I think I just seen a thing where records is maybe two thousand. So we got to be 
that aspect of it too. So. You said something, I'm going to go off a tangent, but you said something interesting. You said about how the Iowa fans, some of them are buying tickets for both you guys. When you guys were at Iowa, there really wasn't a rivalry. I mean, you guys wrestled, but it wasn't like, well, gosh, who knows who's going to win this meet, you know? And that's kind of happened the same in, you know, Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. Obviously, you're on the other side of it now, and your goal, I know your goal would be to shut them out with 10 pins this year, but, you know, there's realities, you know, between jumping to that level. How important just overall as guys that have spent a lot of time in Iowa as a native of Iowa for you, Derek, is it just to see where, like, man, like on paper, this is a 5-5 duel and it might come down to bonus points or, you know, it might come down to an upset. Like, how important is that to, to just for the overall state of Iowa with no pro teams and things like that for that for you guys to be on that level with them? When I was in school, it was a pretty good run. The last duel we wrestled, it was split 5-5. Okay. Jake Farner got the major, I got the pin, so Iowa ends up with it. Yeah. Is, is how it basically went down. Um, so I got to live some of that excitement. And then it kind of dropped off probably immediately because I don't think it was what well, you But my second year, about my second year. And it yeah. So, um, yeah, I think it's it's super important uh, to get it back to there, not only out of our own selfish wants sure. right, for the program, but for the state of Iowa because what we've seen and as we see as we go out and we meet different people is that these people are still fans. There's still a lot of wrestling fans out there that have kind of just opted to stay home. And to get them back engaged and to get them back and excited again yeah. is good and it's what we want. It's part of the reason why we're here, right, is to get that those Iowa fans back out and really put on a show for them. That's, that's all, what it's all about. And to talk about any expectations, um, that would be my expectations that our guys go out and compete hard for every single second and they put on a show. And that when people walk away, regardless if it's we win all 10 to 10 pins or not, um, they walked away viewing our team like, okay, these guys, they wrestled their butts off. Uh, it was entertaining, right? Yeah, and, and and it brings up another point. Like, right now, I know every coach in the country, if you ask them, you go, we want 10 guys to go to national, 10 conference champions or, you know, regional champions, whatever the right term is, 10 national champions, everybody pin five guys, and they pin the guy in the pigtail. Obviously, certain schools are much closer or further from that. So it seems like you guys have created – steps along the way like hey ultimately that's our goal but right now like you said we're going to work our butts up we're going to you know put a fan uh, show on for the fans do you guys literally have like written tangible goals on the way up to being national champions and if so what are those you know i think just we're all pretty much on the same page we all have the same kind of mindset and same realistic goals for this team for us to maybe just step in there and, like you said, go win the nationals, have 10 national champs and pin our way through it. <laughs> is it realistic? I don't think you know, it still hasn't been done yet, right? So sure. It's probably not a realistic goal. But for us, you know, and where this team's coming from, it is huge for us just to be able to go out there and fight tooth and nail for seven minutes. And, you, you know, a lot of people around this, this area, they talk, come in and they start talking it's about, well, they always fade in the third, right? Well, right yeah. now, that's number one priority. That just can't happen, right? It's just not going to be acceptable. So establishing that, trying to ingrain that in these kids where you're, you're literally walking out there to fight tooth and nail, you know, regardless of the results, obviously you want to win every single time you step out there, right? So that's still the mindset, but is it realistic? Probably not, but we will 
have it ingrained in there that they're going to at least go out there and fight tooth and nail for every second of the match. I think it's a great point, too, because, I mean, you guys obviously, you know, are great wrestlers all along the way, but like anybody, I'm sure at some point in the process you were taking some butt kickings, and sometimes it's just, man, I'm just going to try to, when I'm done wrestling with Brent today, I don't want him to go to his friends and go, that guy quit on me. Like, maybe kick the hell out of me, but I got back up, I got back up, I kept trying to get to a leg. Hey, when Derek was beating the crap out of me, I just kept coming, kept coming, and like, maybe all I can do today is earn respect. You know, maybe tomorrow, maybe I can get to a leg. Maybe Friday I can get the leg in the air. Maybe Monday I can finish a takedown. Is that kind of what I hear you guys saying? The mentality is just be tough and just grow yeah, from and there? Yeah, I, I think ultimately, too, um, is we get them there where they're fighting tooth and nail, and then how you're going to have the success that you're talking about is that they start to believe. So through that, and it, they start to believe that they can be national champions. Because we walk in and we, we believe it. With what we see, we see guys with, hey, I believe you can do it, right? But till they believe it, and it's part of that process, it's part of the training, it's part of them competing and seeing those little moments of success on the mat, then once they start to believe it, now you're opening up the possibilities um, of doing the sort of things you talked about, which is getting guys in the national finals, winning national titles, you know? Um, so, yeah, there, for me at least, I don't think that there's anything like we're going to make a prediction we want to do this. Sure. Um, to me, it's like, let's hit these little markers, and it'll happen. I know darn well that it'll happen. If these guys buy into themselves and into what we're doing, that it will, it'll lead them as far as they want to go. It sounds a lot like you. there's a process. You guys believe in it. You bring this process together. Derek, you said, you know, we're on the same page. So even if you have slightly different approaches, it's gonna they're going to parallel each other. So you said something really interesting that, you know, I'm on your team hypothetically, and you're my you're two of my coaches, and both of you are national champions. So, in terms of collegiate wrestling, you've been to the pinnacle. So, when you say to me, David, I think you can be a national champion. I see that in you. I think immediately that would give me more confidence. But if I thought I had a five or zero percent chance, and now you guys say that to me, maybe now I'm at five or ten or ten or fifteen. What are the things you do to help these guys, not just physically, technique-wise, but what are some of the mental Mental games, mental strategies, what you know, pats on the back, you know, the carrot or the whip. What are some of the things you do to try to get me from 15 to 100? Because once I get to 100, I think that's when the physical breakthroughs start coming through, right? For me, I know this is a huge part of it. Just the, the way I approach it is it's my relationship with you. If you trust me and you believe what I'm saying and we, we are on the same page, you're uh -huh. going to want it. If I ask you to run through a wall, you're probably going to go do it for me or vice sure. versa if you ask me to run through a wall no, no, you, I'm going to do it is, am I going to run through the wall no probably not but those you know you get the correlation there where it's if a kid trusts you he's going to be more willing to do everything he asks to and be able to throw caution not caution them but be able to go out there and just fight tooth and you know, kind of back to where we're talking and be able to go achieve those you know, at the end those goals too besides just literally being genuine you know, and literally being there for guys. If I call you at night, Greg, and I get a second workout, can we set up a time in the morning to watch film? Besides the things that I think most good coaches think about and do, what are maybe some a thing or two that you guys, either you do or you've done in the past, or that maybe a coach did for you, maybe the brands did for you, that really helped you build that relationship that you're talking about? Oh, I can't think of any maybe specific examples. I think to go back maybe to your original question is that every guy's different. There are certain guys on that team 
that you're going to need to help, right? And sure. Accounting. And there's certain guys where you got to play a game with them, not a game, if that's the right word, where it's like you're building them up, but then you kind of hound them a little bit at moments, like really softly, uh-huh. so that they're, behavior, you know, not behavior, but so that you get what you want. But then as soon as you get what you want, you're patting them on the back. Whereas a different guy, he may not respond that way, you know? So every kid's different um, in the way that maybe you try to build them up. Um, any maybe examples of me, I, a lot of the things that I could think about are were just like intrinsic stuff. Just stuff that just came from myself in practice. And that's, to me, so if I said a coach did this to me, um, a coach can get you to a certain point in practice. Right. Right? As, as far as being exhausted or putting you in a position to succeed. Yes. Right? And then this is where the intrinsic comes from in that there were moments that I failed and failed and failed. And then there was moments where I had success. And those moments where I had success is when it clicked and when I went to that next level. So for me as a coach... With each individual is different. You want to get them to those wherever those barriers are. Put them in those moments. Put them in there, and then they they might fail. But as soon as you get them to, to I don't buy into work, but succeed or have success or something clicks for them, that's kind of how you develop them. So that's I don't know if that's a roundabout answer to no, no, what your question is, but I don't know. To me, I don't really like mind games. I don't really buy into like games that work on guys. I think that it's more just. What he talked about, which is know that they care about you, know that they believe in you, and then secondly, putting them in positions to have success, and then as they do, they're going to start climbing that ladder, if you want to call it, um, to get to where they want to be. Yeah, I mean, for what it's worth, I coached for a lot of years in college, and I believe everything, the same thing you guys are saying, and it's tricky. You never know when those moments are going to come, right? It might just be a random Tuesday in October, and some guy finds his way through. So, Brent, your path here to Iowa State is, is really a unique one. And after your competitive career in 2016, you accepted the developmental coaching job with, with USA Wrestling, and then, obviously, this job came to you. So, how did it come to you? The job you left was obviously a great one. You know, so what were sort of the pros and cons? And I know, I don't know, but everything I've ever observed or read about you or listened to, you're, you're a supremely competitive guy. So what was the maybe the ultimate deciding factor between trying to compete to coach the best 17 to 20-year-olds in the world versus trying to bring a, a national title to Ames? Um, there's a lot of layers and a lot of things in there. Um, but probably the most simple answer is that um, I love freestyle wrestling and I love the international competition and I love the travel and like I love going to Russia the lifestyle and, all of it and just like fighting for water and fighting for saunas and fighting to get your <laughs> hotel room because they say you don't have you know like so to me I love that I was super like very 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 excited about that um, but then you throw in your family, your kids, um, things of that nature. And then also me, maybe my goals in general, which was I knew that that was probably a, a stepping stone, that job was. Um, you didn't see it as like I'm going to be in this job for the next 25 years. Maybe. It, I, here's the thing. I don't really operate that way where I'm like, no, here's what I mean. Is I don't take, no, this is I don't take a job and say, this is the job I want for the rest of my life, right? Like to me, I'm going to, do the best with what I've got right now. Yeah. And you don't know what's going to happen. Sure. You know, down the road. So taking that job, I think that I just had some perspective um, where I was like, well, 
I'm really excited about it, and I, I was, I love doing it. I did it for part time, more or less, for about five six months. Um, but I just had a feeling it was like one of these days I'll probably have to move on because Bill Zach is you, the next step's Bill, right? Yeah. Um, so I would probably have to move on. Um, so that's maybe a layer. Sure. There. Um, and then secondly was just this was a perfect job opportunity. So, so, so how, if you, how did this come? Did Coach Dresser just call you? Was it just that simple? or It was pretty much as simple as we had not bought a house or got a place to live yet in Colorado. We were packing up the car to drive to Colorado and we'll pick out a place. This is awesome. Go ahead. Yeah. I got the phone call and instead of driving to Colorado. Like halfway on the highway? Pretty much. Instead of driving to Colorado that day, I drove up to here and like so literally, I think they called two days later. It might have been different. Yeah, I probably would have had a house bought or rented or whatever we were. Wow! And it would have been it's a lot karma. Tougher. It's kismet, it right? Been a lot tougher to, to change <laughs> change gears, direction, right? Yeah. Um, so yeah, this was just it was too perfect of an opportunity. I think as far as just staying in the state of Iowa, I do love the state of Iowa. I love um, being a part of wrestling in the state of Iowa, um, and getting back with these guys. Obviously, Dresser and I, it's a developed relationship. Yeah. Uh, however many months it's been, six months maybe, um, that we're getting to know each other. It's been very good. But Derek and Mike, Mike was my coach in college, you know? Yeah. So I had a great relationship with these guys, so that was something I was really looking forward to. I thought would be really great, and it has been. Um, so I don't know if I said that in a way that I'm not – I used a wrestling job. I was super excited about This was just – when it came to weigh things out, it just like this was kind of the way I laid. My, you know, my wife's family's two hours from here. Yeah, um, that helped her. Too. Coach Dresser's family is, is um, from here too, right? Humboldt. Humboldt. So, yeah. So, yeah. No, it's a great answer. <laughs> and I, what's interesting is I get I'm lucky I get to my normal is now to every week to talk to guys like you, and it's there's always one thing you know I, I write up questions and I think I know where the answers are going to go. But the cool thing about writing up questions is you can just listen and. There's always some cool thing like that. So it's crazy that literally if they'd called you 48, 72 hours later, you might have had a 30-year mortgage. Yeah. The financial planner in me is popping yeah. up right now trying to figure out you know, your tax gains. So one of the things I wanted to ask both of you, so I don't really care who goes first, but there's so many aspects of coaching, things like you know, you guys are still young and in great shape, like live goes, one-on-one private training sessions, teaching the overall group, recruiting you know, managing APR, all those things. Which of the areas are your favorites? And which of the ones you're like, you know, I'm a young guy. I know eventually I want to be a head coach, which I'd assume are your goals or aspirations. Which of you go, this is something I really need to focus to learn on so that when it's my time, I've got a grasp on it. And, and it doesn't matter who goes first. Um, my Probably my favorites, which is pretty general uh, consensus, would be the wrestling room. The development, um, to me, it's just more natural. It's something I can walk into any restroom in the country in front of any group of guys, and I feel like I can just work with them, and we can help them. Bring value right yeah. away, yeah. Um, so it's something that comes really natural to me, um, regardless of what it is, whether it's one-on-one training or daily practices. If I had to prefer one, it would be those morning one-on-ones because I feel like you see the most growth then compared to when you've yeah. got a larger group of guys. Um so an area that I maybe need to work on or an area that uh, I guess on the opposite spectrum um, being a volunteer I don't I don't do any of the recruiting so that's something from outside in I can kind of just 
trying to watch and just learn. Observing, yeah. Um, something that Dresser does a great job of, probably what he's best at, is fundraising, is bringing people together, excitement, uh, season ticket sales. Right? Building so all, a cause. Yeah, so yeah. all these things, that's something to me um, that like is just foreign to me because my whole life it's been wrestling. Even all the other the, side of the fence. Yeah. All the other stuff in the world, it don't matter. Step on the mat, train, wrestle, go do it. And the other stuff was happening, and I just I didn't know about it. You know, I, I didn't have to concern myself. And you didn't want to care about it at that point. Yeah, so <laughs> yeah. that's kind of where I come from is that um, this is a really great opportunity for me because I can learn a lot of these things, and I'm trying to get myself into as much stuff as I can um, legally, right? Sure, um, of course. And and just soak it up and, and learn. Cool. He basically took the word right out of my mouth. Same, well, same strengths and... What you like is probably what comes easy to you. Yeah. So, you know, being able to develop guys, work that one-on-one stuff, um, building relationships with them is the funnest and obviously the, probably one of the easier parts. And obviously critically important, too. Yes, yeah, right. You're, you're not going to have a program unless you can develop guys. So, um, by far the hardest part of it is the recruiting, hands down. Um, you, you're walking in cold turkey with some instances and you're trying to convince a 16, 17, 18 year old kid to come buy in, buy into you for five plus years, right? So it's not just him, but his parents too, or coaches or whoever. All of them, right? Holy smokes. It's, you know, it's tough, you know, and a lot of these kids have a lot of things thrown at them, but getting them to kind of buy into what you're, what you're saying without actually being able to show them, you know, is one thing. And that's an area that, like, Dresser, like, I kept touched on is very, very good. He's getting very, very good at getting in front of kids and their parents and in front of these, you know, these big fundraising groups. Yeah, donors. Yeah. Well, he's a great public speaker. That's an area where, especially for me, I'm going to have to work at. So, yeah. it's inter- No, it's interesting because I just had Brian Smith on a couple weeks ago, and he said, you know, maybe this is, he said, because I had to literally take public speaking classes because... I love the nuts and bolts of it, which is what you guys talking about, you know, going in the room, wrestling with the guys. And he goes, he goes, and you know, I guess I thought I was a pretty good recruiter. He goes, but public speaking is a whole, it's a whole nother beast, a whole nother animal. And, you know, and, and he was talking about it directly to creating the energy you were talking about, Brent, and fundraising. And, you know, you can feel it when you walk on the campus here. I mean, I actually came to Iowa State out of high school and yeah, that's right after uh, Iowa State had broken Iowa's record to win the tenth. That's how old, I'm old, old. But um, black and white TVs and fat backs and all those kind of things. But um, you can feel the energy. It's different. You know, when you, you know, one of the guys we're coaching here was on a recruiting trip last week, and he was like, "Man, you know, they're gonna they're gonna do good things there. Like it's not just like it's they can see your vision. So it's it's awesome. So." I had a chance to talk to Coach Dresser a couple months ago, and I'm friends with Tony Roby, and, you know, he has a lot of admiration for him. And the things that I've heard about him is he's really known for his work ethic and his attention to detail and level of organization. And so for you guys that you'd love to just put on your T-shirts and shorts six, seven hours a day and, you know, point me out who you need me to work out with and let me get, you know, Derek better, David better, whoever better. Um... What are you guys learning from him in these other categories? I know he sort of touched on it, but like, are there, does he sort of specifically mentor you, or is it just, a, hey, watch what I'm doing and ask questions as you need to? I mean, especially like I would think with you, Derek, because recruiting is, you know, that's literally on your job description for somebody who's maybe a little more quiet and, it, you know, you're, you're not 
just going to get out and start, you know, barking at people. How, how has he been a mentor to you in that process? Um, you know, just soaking it in, really. Being put in those situations and learning different little maybe tricks. or not really tricks because you're developing. Things like, that make you comfortable. developing a relationship yeah. with me and the student athlete or aider to me or you if you're on sure. you. So it's, it's the same thing that you're essentially doing in here, mm-hmm. but on a level where you're not in front of the kid every single day. I mean, so it's definitely that's where it gets tougher. So, but like going back to your, what you're asking is when you're put in these situations, like dressers maybe talking to a donor or he's talking to a group of whoever it may be, you know, students or whoever. You know, you're you're in that situation. You're learning how he maybe approaches it or how he delivers his message. And you're seeing that with him and listening. And you know, Metcalf's a really good public speaker and. Or, uh, Zadok's really, really good, you know, just motivational and, you know, get in front of a group of people. And so, you know, just being around these guys and being able to soak some of that in and, you know, for a guy that isn't always rah, 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 you know, he just kind of, I'm more reserved and del- deliberate, I guess, on my message or my... Delivery. Uh, you know, so. Yeah. And obviously your title, Brent, is a little different where certain things are within and not within the scope of your job. Yeah, well, I think that he does a very good job, and obviously this is still pretty fresh for me, so there's, there's a long road to go for, uh, for us as far as our relationship goes or our coaching working together. Uh, but, but what I think he's done a very good job of is um, kind of assigning you things to do that maybe wouldn't be necessarily... What you job, checked? Whatever, but he'd be like, hey... Um, I, I got this, you know, it's like something he's got to do, but he'll be like, hey, I got this to do. Why don't you go try to figure it out and, and, and see? And it kind of challenges you in an area that maybe he'd be really good at doing. Yeah. And now you've got to kind of adapt and kind of figure it out. And then you can go to him and say, hey. Like, and you want it help. to be great. You don't want to let him yeah, down help, so you're going to find a way to be great at it. So he does a good job of, and kind of almost intentionally too, where he'll be like, hey. Figure it out. you this because I think. This will be valuable to you. Professional right? development kind of thing. Yeah, so he does a good job of doing that. Um, I see you guys smiling like there's specific examples rolling through yeah. your heads, I can tell. So I think he does a good job of that. And then um, probably the thing, just in the short time I've been here, is just the whole vision of it, which we've already talked about. But just as far as just building that community, all these different things that, that we've done in such a short time that I kind of, when I go home, I sit and I'd be like, well, if, what would I have done if I'd taken that program? And it wouldn't have been even part of that. It would have just been wrestling room only. You mean what, what Coach Tresher is doing versus what your path would have been? Yeah, like if I had to put myself in his shoes, you know? It's pretty so, honest, so, right? That's, I mean, that's a very honest way to look at yeah, it, right? Yeah, I, mean, I wouldn't have done any of that. Like it wouldn't have been in my scope of things that were priority, right? Um, Scope's a great word there. It's just so, not in your uh, vision line, yeah. There's a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff that you don't ever think about, right? And, and he he's, does. He's And that's the stuff he's really, really great at. You know, he lets us three kind of control the, the wrestling room aspect of it a little bit more. And he it works his butt off, and he is always on the go doing all the background stuff. And, and he does a terrific job, especially like you could talk about recruiting and fundraising and all the other stuff, administrative stuff, so... And you can hear it in your guy's voice and how you literally talk about him and your facial expressions that even though he might be turning the room over, like people on the outside might go, oh, okay, well, these three guys are really coaching the guys. But I think you guys look at it like he's our coach. He's putting us in positions to excel. And so when these guys excel on the mat, it's an extension of Coach Dressers. That, that might be a very good way. So, you know, 
one of the things I think, if anybody understands college wrestling, is you can't ever win a horse race with a bunch of Clydesdales. You know, you got to go out and get the studs. And recently, you guys, and I know it's not signed, but you got a verbal from David Carr and other certain things you can and can't talk about a, a specific kid. But let's just talk about in general. When you land a top 10 pound-for-pound kid, what does that do for your program? And, you know, I, when, you know, we were covering it for track and Andy Hamilton told me, about, you know, called me about it. And I'm like, they just planted a flag. You know, everything up there has kind of been, if you wanted to poo-poo it, it's kind of been hype. You know, you can sell tickets, but who knows if they're going to be any better. You can raise money, but they still might not be good. They've got an RTC, but until guys start winning. But you go get a legitimate, bonafide, pound-for-pound stud who just happens to be around the weight class where the three assistant coaches might be able to roll around with them a little bit. Um, what To me, that's a significant drop-the-mic, let's-get-to-work statement. What did that, to you, what did that mean? You know, that's it's never really over, so you got one, right? No, it's, it's always a evolving. Start. It's that's right. It's a milestone, right? That's yeah. our first It's a benchmark. Like, yeah. Time recruit. You know, obviously, we've had some really good ones prior to that, but um, I can't say the names, but sure. you know, some really good in-state kids. And then being able to go pick, like you said, a top 10 pound-for-pound kid in the country, that's probably really, really tied into other those other kids that are already they might be a little bit good at social networking yeah they go out to (laughs) these training center camps and they're all around each other all the time so they have those relationships and they know who they get along with so being able to use that as a recruiting tool too use the kid as a recruiting tool is huge Um, i don't know if you can add anything to it but in my mind yes for me it just gets the ball rolling uh the, the only sentence i think of is it makes it okay to come come here now Agreed, yeah. And uh, that it, it, somebody had to Someone's got to go first, right? Someone had to make the move. Um, I look back at maybe my, my recruiting and how, how, where I went. To Virginia Tech originally. Tech, um, without, not myself, but to all of us making that, they would have, it would just felt flat, right? No matter how great it was. You can, I'll say it about you. You guys are blue, blue, blue chip guys. And if, you know, if you, one of you or two of you don't go, maybe the other guys don't go. Somebody so has to go first. That's kind of how I view it is the first ball just dropped. Now we can start piling. Because ultimately, if you want to have one of the best programs, you got to consistently be getting guys. Multiple guys like that. But it starts with one, right? That, yeah. Um, and we've been. I mean, ultimately, too, a priority for us was that in-state battle. And I think we did a pretty good job in-state this year. We always want to do a lot, obviously, build on it and, and, and do better. Um, but he mentioned, too, we got some really great in-state guys that we're excited about. And that was huge for us, too. Because yeah, sure. Absolutely. an area where you said there was no, um, where we started this interview, we said there, there wasn't really a rivalry really between yeah. us. Um, when I competed, it was because the other side of the state got all the in-state guys. So I think that that's significant, too, that you start pulling those in-state guys here, yeah. and now you're making yourself more competitive and making that, that rivalry. And it's making, it's making it cool for the, for the Iowa kids to come to Iowa State, too. Yeah, the kids that grew up on the rivalries, you know, so it, it, the state's hungry for that. And it's, it goes all the way back to, you know, people that are your age or older. I just, parents man, St. John just made me feel really old. <laughs> <laughs> it's killing me. It's like Sorry, four times this weekend I've been killed. Like you, know, you know, that rivalry's been there for no, a long, for long sure. time, and they don't have it, and people are hungry. They're starving. My dad was a graduate assistant here when Dan Gable wrestled. It was one of the reasons why I wanted to come here. You know, you talk about him and Jason Smith and all these guys and, you know, the Peterson brothers and, you know, 
legends. You know, to me, they were legends, you know, and, you know, you walk through and you see those names and things like that. So just a couple last questions. First of all, I want to give you guys a chance to, to give Hector Gomez and the guys who run in Agony in Ames a shout out. You know, you guys are obviously here, and, you know, right, but you, know, you guys want to say anything about that event? Because for the, this will come out in a week, but we're actually here interviewing Saturday around 4 p.m. right before the show goes live. No, I think Hector's done a great job of reaching out to these kids and pulling out some of the younger, uh, top top prospects in the country right now. Um, obviously, we can't really have contact with these kids or anything, but just being able to have them in front it's of It's got to be awful kid. having them on campus, right? <laughs> it's terrible. Being able to just <laughs> observe them, you know, it's, yeah. it's huge. And, sure. You know, seeing them passing, but um, Hector's done a heck of a job with organizing and getting things done with the whole event and bringing these kids in. It's, it's huge for a program and being able to... And he's got those little kids, too, so they're used to being on the campus and seeing excellence. Is that, is that kind of your viewpoint on it? Uh, my viewpoint is Hector's a great guy, a great family, and a, and a great asset to us. And we really appreciate everything that he does. Yeah, shout out to Hector. Yeah. So one last thing. And I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, yeah, yeah. For sure. Making it happen. So just the last thing that I noticed in the, in the course of the interview is I, I, I can tell how close you guys are. I don't know if anybody's pointed this out. You guys notice you never use each other's first names? No, I don't know. I think that stems way back. Just from being teammates, probably. That's, a, that's normal on a team, right? You get used last names. I think it's a wrestling thing, probably. It's all last names and nicknames, right? Yeah, so that's probably where it stems from. I've been calling him Derek lately, and I feel weird saying it. <laughs> Going back to St. John or DSJ or something? There's two of them now, so you got to kind of see a little bit. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Well, is there anything else you want to say to the community, um, you know, about Iowa State Wrestling before we sign off? Um, just thanks for the support. Hopefully we can be able to get out there and put on a show for you guys. Yeah. Keep, uh, keep buying season tickets. <laughs> where do they go? If they want to buy season tickets, where do they go? Probably go to Twitter, Facebook, find a link. Ticket office. Ticket office. <laughs> Google Iowa State Wrestling yeah. season tickets, right? All right, ladies and gentlemen, this, that was Brent Metcalf and Derek St. John. This is David Maricatani with Matt Chat. We'll speak to you all next week.